Amen. First Corinthians this morning, first Corinthians chapter two, verses six through sixteen. We'll be reading there this morning. First Corinthians chapter two, verses six through sixteen. Uh, by a show of hands, who here has heard of or know the term a hoarder? Show of hands, not, not of heads. Hey, back row, have you heard of hoarders? All right, okay, all right, all right. Making sure everybody's awake, man. I got to do this more interactive stuff. Okay, who here knows a hoarder? All right, this one's going to be a little bit harder. Who here is a hoarder. I don't know. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm not. I'm not preaching on hoarding this morning, so you can be honest. Uh, so we're all at least generally familiar with the term of what a hoarder is. It's people who they collect things and they never get rid of things. And they used to have, I don't know if they still have it, I never watched it. My brain would probably slowly die if I watched it. But they used to have this show about hoarders and these people would have old newspapers stacked to the ceiling. Instead of throwing their garbage away, they save it or what. Uh, obscene amount of stuff crammed into rooms and and it's, it's, of course, the most dramatic end of things. You, hoarders typically love to go to garage sales because, you know, it's the cheapest way to fill your, your rooms with stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good garage sale um, or yard sale or whatever you want to call it. And so they go and they accumulate more and more and more and more, but they never get rid of anything they keep things that are old and worn and torn and broken, completely unusable, maybe even dangerous to use. Things that don't match furniture sets that don't go together. Furniture stacked on top of furniture. Unable to navigate rooms because there's so much stuff. You see, this can be a picture of the ideas, the attitudes, and the perspectives that we gather in our minds. Things that don't match up with one another, right? One, one situation can cause you to respond in three different ways. The worldly way, the way of God, and the way you were raised. Perspectives that just don't make sense, even are dangerous to keep in our minds. Useless things that are taking up precious space and crowding out what God wants to do in our minds. The way God wants our minds to be furnished. When you buy a new set of furniture, you get rid of the old set of furniture, right? You don't just have six couches in your living room and three lazy boys. And, and so the idea is that it is crucial for us that as God works in our minds and deposits new and useful things, we expel the old and dangerous ideas. And our mind as a Christian is crucial for our serving of God and living a life of peace. And so our text this morning helps us to consider house cleaning of our mind, that we are not hoarding thoughts that are harmful or useless, and to keep our minds in a right relationship with God. So let's look at our text this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. 
which says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one can comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? This morning I want to preach a sermon entitled, It's All in Your Head. Let's pray. Father God, help us this morning. God, let your word ring true, God, to each of us here today, Father, that you would speak clearly, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to each person today, God, not by my words or my, my intellect, God, but I hide behind your word and your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, let's deal with the bad furnishing. You ever had a couch or a chair or maybe an end table in your living room that you're like, man, this thing is becoming a danger more than it's becoming a comfort. And so the desire is to replace it with something new. But we don't always recognize the importance of clearing out the clutter of our minds as Christians. In fact, we don't always recognize the importance of our minds as a whole. We can tend to neglect proper mind maintenance, if you will, we can be naive about how our thinking is affecting us. We can be naive about where our thinking is coming from. The things that are influencing us that we perhaps are completely unaware of that we allow into our minds. Are we coming to things on our own rational conclusions? Or are we influenced in our mind by the input of others? Or is it simply just the age that we live in? The day and age that we are a part of? Are we falling prey to the sinful and worldly ideas that do not align with the Word of God? You see, sometimes our mind ends up looking like a hoarder's living room full of different ideas and concepts and attitudes, whether they be from God or from the world or from ourselves or from our upbringing or from our culture or from whatever it is, and we never go through and say, which of these things are actually beneficial to me? 
See, in, our, in, in the book of Corinthians, Paul is challenging the Corinthian church in many different areas. You read throughout the, church, uh, throughout the book, and he deals with their misplaced loyalties, their morals, how they're handling their money, uh, the fact that they shouldn't be suing each other over dumb things, and things like that. But he begins here in chapter 2, before he gets into all of that, with, I need to deal with your minds. He wants to talk about their minds. Why? Because everything, what do they say? All actions start as a thought. What goes on in our minds matters. We tend to think that we can watch all of these shows and listen to all of this music and hear all of these people around us behave in the way that they do, and we think it's okay. I know it's not all right. I can be above it. And therefore, it won't affect me. I used to have this mindset about the music I listened to. I used to listen to, to music just as rancid as anybody else out on the street. And I would think to myself, I can be above this. Yeah, I know what they're talking about isn't okay. I know what they're singing about isn't all right. But then this happened. This, this was, uh, I think I was in high school when I came to this rev realization. There was a youth group challenge, and they said, we challenge the youth group to listen to only Christian music for 30 days. <laughs> and I was like, easy. No problem at all. And the truth was, it was easy. I had no difficulty doing it. 30 days, Christian music only. It was super easy. I had, uh, I loved music at the, t I still love music, but at the time I had time to love music. So I had music from all different genres, all different artists. I could listen to all this different stuff. I collected it. This was back when CDs were around, man. I had one of those awesome, like fold open things that held like 32 CDs, man. I had enough music to make 30 days. That was easy. Many of my friends in high school failed after like a week. Oh man, I just got to turn on Ludacris. I can't help it. Ludacris, yeah, I think he's still popular. He was popular when I was in high school. Got a bump usher. Whatever. That was their problem. I made it 30 days easy, no problem. But what I thought was going to happen was at the end of 30 days, I would go back to my normal music listening habits because whatever. I was up for the challenge. I could do it. I like to prove I can do things, like just like any other man. <laughs> but what I found was at the end of the 30 days, I had so much less filth in my mind. I had such a more clear thinking process. The way I talked to people, the way I treated people, it changed in ways that I did not imagine would have ever happened. What goes into our mind absolutely matters, even if what goes into our mind, we can immediately say that is vile and wicked, and therefore I should not be doing it, but it affects you. And so Paul, before he even gets into all the other moral issues, he says, listen, if you want to get rid of the sexual immorality, if you want to refigure out where you should be placing your loyalties and how you should be handling your money, it starts in your mind. What are you allowing into your mind? He wants to see their minds renewed. He wants to see them set free from these, these rancid ideas that they've allowed their minds to be gone captive with. To take the old furniture and say, listen, that old rickety rackety sofa that's dangerous to even sit on, why do you still have it? Get it out. Or if you're not much of an interior designer, maybe for some of the nerds here, reformatting a hard drive, right? You delete all the old files so you can make room for the good new files. You cannot, right? You run out of room on a hard drive eventually. 
Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Mostly, never mind. <laughs> you don't delete anything, and then after a while, your whole hard drive is crashing. You have to get rid of some old stuff to make room for the newer, better stuff. See, our issue, our issues with God and issues with life oftentimes center around our mindsets. Jesus said, it's not just what you do and don't do, but what you think, right? He said, have you murdered anybody? And they're all like, no, I never murdered anybody. He said, but if you hated somebody in your heart, you've murdered them in your mind. Have you lusted? Have you committed adultery? And they're like, no, I've never committed adultery. But yet he says, if you've lusted after someone in your mind, you've committed adultery. So we think to ourselves, I don't do the stuff I think. But yet you still have a mind filled with these things. Our mind matters. And this is backed up by Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, which says, once you were alienated from God, and we were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. So he says, the evil behavior within your mind. We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And our text reveals the source of much of our cluttered minds that are conflicting and alienating the correct thinking that God has for us. He says, the spirit of the world. And what that is, is basically the way the world thinks about things of moral issues. I'm not going to spend time getting into it, but you could think about abortion, sexual orientation, all of these things that there's a huge conflict in the world as to what's right and what's wrong. And Paul is saying the way the world views these things is not the way God views these things. The wisdom of the age is another phrase he uses. Rulers of the age. And we live in an interesting time when it comes to rulers. Like obviously we think rulers. Okay, we got president, we got governor, we got things like that. But when it comes to your mind, I would even include social media influencers celebrities, these people who they may not have authority over your life, but you've allowed them authority over your mind. The natural man. <laughs> so that one guy at work who's always given his input, <laughs> even when you don't want it. Or that one person you do go to who, who gives you the advice, not that you need to hear, but that you want to hear. Right? We, we all have that one person who I know they're not going to give me sound advice, but they're going to say the things I want to hear and tickle my ears. Then he says a limited heart and mind. Have we limited our heart and mind that God has for us? Verse 9 from our text in the NLT translation says, That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And he is speaking about mindsets. He's obviously speaking about far more than just mindsets, but in the context of this verse, he's talking about our minds. What is influencing your mind? And the clarity and the soundness of mind that God has for us is not found in the thinking of the world. See, the problem is that much going on in our minds resists the mind that God wants us to have. 
And this comes from the atmosphere we live in this world. This is known as zeitgeist. And if you don't know what that means, it, the definition of it is the spirit of the age shown by the ideas and beliefs of that age. So in other words, the ideas and beliefs of culture that we currently live in. So we live in America, more specifically Northwest, more specifically the Tri-Cities. That our thinking and our behavior is influenced by what is going on around us in the world. You see, for us as Christians, we can have a right mind about the doctrine that the Bible teaches. We can be reading our Bibles. We can come to church and hear sound preaching. But it all can end up lost in a mind filled with junk that we've absorbed in our lives in this world. It's the idea, again, if you guys liked the hard drive illustration, if you have a computer, you can have a program that's a, it's a great program. I, I, I use this program called Logos to help me write my sermons. It's a terrific program. It works well. It functions well. It, goes, it doesn't lag. It goes where I want to go. And all of these great things. You might have programs on your computer that you like to use that work well. You're happy with it. You give it a five-star review in the Play Store, whatever it is that you do. And, but yet, all it takes is one bad file on your computer, and it does not work properly. Maybe your computer won't even turn on. Maybe it doesn't open the program that you so care about. That is a good program. This bad file corrupts the whole thing. This is what Paul is dealing with. That you can have the ideas of Scripture. You can hear sound preaching, but the ideas that you've allowed to become embedded into your mind that are from the world, that are from culture, will corrupt your mind and therefore make the good ideas useless. We need to be refurnishing our mind regularly. We think that hearing things, reading things, believing in the right things is sufficient, and those things are good, but we also have to get rid of the old things, right? Again, none of you guys at home have kept every single sofa you've ever bought, right? You buy a new one, and you get rid of the old one. That The dining chairs at the table, you sit down, and it's like... You're like, oh man, I just need to get a few more dinners out of this chair before I can afford to go down to Goodwill and buy another one that's less creaky. Or maybe if you're fancy, you'll go down to Macy's Furniture or something like that. It's not enough to have an inflowing source of good ideas if we do not expel out the bad ones. Sometimes we have to do some house cleaning. We have to toss some things out. We need to seriously understand the dimension of a renewed mind that is available to us through the power of the Spirit. And Paul is dealing with people who think they know best. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians and even 2 Corinthians, you're like, man, these guys think they're pretty smart. And Paul is knocking them down a few pegs. They valued the wisdom of their age. Paul says, listen, don't put so much stake in that. And the wisdom of today's age, it comes with some enticing things, right? Impressive eloquence. So they can present it to you in a way that's like, oh, wow, that's, that makes sense. Well, yeah, it makes sense because they left out a lot of the details that make it not make sense. 
philosophy of the time. Same idea that, that they have these people who can present it in a way that, that you're like, oh, yeah. Like, you guys know the viral thing right now that's going on on many social medias is these people will make these, did you know that if you do this and this happens and it's like, what? No way. And then people rush to the store and they buy the thing and they try and it doesn't work because it's fake. Those are easier to expose than a lot of the false ideas in today's world. But it's the same concept. They present it in a way that's believable. And if you allow it to inset into your mind in ignorance, you will believe it. Paul says, the world that is run by wisdom does not know God. The worldly wisdom does not know godly wisdom. It's foolishness to them to preach the gospel of Christ. And here he is letting them know that there is real and legitimate godly wisdom and understanding available to the believer. Wisdom of God that he's prepared for you and I. You see, sometimes we, we go to churches or we go to conferences and we, we hear people say things and speak things. They're like, man, I wish I could, I could have that type of understanding. You can. I tell you guys all the time, listen, if I'm your only source of biblical knowledge, you're in trouble. It's not because I don't think I'm a good Bible teacher. It's because you need more than that. You need to trust God to give you wisdom to understand and read the Word of God. That we can understand what God has given us. That we can understand that the Spirit can teach us and help us understand the Word of God, the things of God. That we are able to judge the things of the world against the Scripture. And we can say, listen, the world is telling me this, but the Bible says that, and therefore these don't align. I have to expel one of these two thoughts. Because they are conflicting. My hope is that you stick with the biblical thought. Because that's the one that leads to eternal life. And he's reinforcing the understanding of how crucial our minds are in our walk with God. That if we don't have a right mind, how can we walk right before God? That these glorious things that God has for us is available to all of us, which is, think about this, the mind of Christ himself. Our text, verse 16, finishes off, with, but we have the mind of Christ. He, he's saying, listen, of all the things that the world has to offer, of all the ideas and attitudes and philosophies that the world has to offer, that the people around you has to offer, why would you take that into your mind and clutter up all that space when you could have the mind of Christ? Christ brings a dimension of perspective that man cannot have, not has a hard time getting, or if they work really hard, they might. No, Christ brings a perspective on life that men and women cannot obtain on their own. But God makes his mind available to us. Author Mark Sayers says there are two stories competing for our minds and our hearts. The first story is broadcast loudly across pop culture, social media, and all of media. It claims that you and I are the center of the universe. We are unique individuals and we can be awesome. We just need to create our identities. 
by making the right choices with our wardrobe and weekends and by hanging out with the right people and doing the right things, we can be limitlessly happy. The world offers you and me an amazing life. We just have to go out and make it happen. That's worked pretty well for many people. The second story is quiet. It's more of a whisper from the back burner in our brains. But it will not go away. There, it's there in the quiet, in the middle of the night. It's the longing when the promises of the first story continually underdeliver. The whisper tells us we were made for more. In hushed voices, it insists that we have an immovable and important identity, a sort of real home somewhere out there. We're longing for it, and we know it's not just in our imaginations. There's got to be more to this life. It continually nags. We continuously suppress that second story, though largely because the first story is just so loud. Everything from Instagram to movies to clothing ads to political campaigns declares that we can be whoever we want to be. But pursuing the second story takes time and intentionality and going against nearly every cultural grain. See, this is true for everyone here. We face these two narratives. The world obviously has a cookie cutter they want us to fit into. They try to tell you you get to make your own, but you really don't. But that small, still voice, that's the Holy Spirit calling out to you. One thing I, I, I may slightly disagree with in that statement is that sometimes that voice does go away. And that should be frightening. But I believe most of humanity has that small voice nagging them in the quiet times. It says life is meant to be more than this. And you see it so often, these celebrities who have everything we could ever dream of, and yet they take their own life because they're miserable. Because they never once gave in to that small voice in the back of their mind. They never once turned to the things that satisfy their soul and gratify their mind, but they continued to pursue the worldly pleasures that the world tells you it needs. Church, we need to do some housekeeping. There are mindsets that we need to toss out. There are ideas from the world that we need to reject and throw to the curb. But there are also those that we need to receive and accept, even if they don't seem so pleasant. Anybody who's read the Bible knows there's some things in there that are difficult to read, difficult to process. We can't expect, though, to have these ideas just automatically expelled from our mind and godly ideas automatically take root in our mind. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes decisions. If we want it to happen, we have to engage with the will of God for our lives. Before I close, just four simple things that can help us do some house cleaning. The first thing, probably the most important thing, is repent. We live in a day and age that says repent for nothing, apologize for nothing, take care of you, yourself, and nobody else. 
But repentance is crucial in the will of God. And what this means is simply changing your mind and changing your direction, taking ideas and actions and saying, I acknowledge that this is not right. I'm going to expel it from my life and change my behavior, change my mindset. We need to address carnal and worldly and selfish mindsets and repent of them, which means not just, it's not just enough to acknowledge the, the inadequacies of them, but expel them and change our behavior. Refuse to allow them to clutter and dominate our minds on a daily basis. These things that are beating us down and abusing us mentally, causing us depression, causing us anxiety. We have to take them to war if we want a peace of mind. A crucial element of repentance is humility. Being able and willing to admit, admit that there's something wrong within us. Many people don't like to do that. Even then in our minds, we exalt our own ideas, our own thoughts, our feelings, even above God's claim on our lives and what he has for us. And when we do that, we will never be free. Our thoughts, our experiences, our wounds, we think these things qualify us to reject what God asks of us. We've all been through some things, some different experiences than others, but nonetheless, God wants to cleanse our mind of what those things have done to us. The second thing is renewing your mind by the word of God and by his spirit. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that it is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14 in the NIV, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak not in words taught, uh, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities through Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness but cannot understand them because they are discerned only by the Spirit. The Word of God is crucial to our cleansing of our minds, the renewal of our minds. And we do this by digging into the Word of God. We do this by allowing God's Spirit to deal. Listen, nobody knows what's in the depths of your mind better than two people, you and God, nobody else. Nobody else will ever have as much insight into your mind as you and God. The devil can't get in your mind. Your spouse can't get in your mind and see what's in there. The people who are closest to you don't know the depths of your thoughts, but God does. And that might frighten some of you. And the reality is it should. But it should not ashamed you before God. But rather we can say, God, I need you to come into my mind and cleanse these things out because I know myself included and probably all of you, we would, last thing we would want is everybody here knowing the depths of the thoughts of our minds. But the Spirit knows and still wants to move within it. And we can have supernatural help in this area. This is an issue of faith that we can trust God's Spirit to help our minds. 
as we wrestle with certain mindsets and attitudes, that we can get the Holy Spirit's help in this fight because we can't fight it alone. We can't do it on our own. The third thing is to resist. Resist the weapons and the strongholds of the enemy. We are dealing with an opposing supernatural power. So in other words, that that means it's stronger than you are because you are natural. We are dealing with a big, scary enemy. That's just the truth of it. The best part is, though, if you're a Christian, you have a bigger and scarier ally on your side. But that does not change the fact that they are launching attacks on the daily, that they are constantly assaulting our minds and our livelihoods, and we need to be prepared to resist these efforts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the spirit of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need spiritual weapons in this fight. Listen, if you're fighting the fight against our enemy without the Spirit on your side, you're going to fall. We need God's help. Psalms 24 verses 3 through 4 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He who has not lifted his soul to an idol. See, our thoughts in life, whether they're our own or come from somewhere else, can become the idols that demand our allegiance in life. That if we don't conform to this idea, if we don't conform to this thought, we'll be alienated or exiled or rejected or whatever it is, even though these thoughts reject the Word of God. These thoughts, these ideas, when they conflict with who God wants you to be, the thoughts that He wants you to have, the life that He wants you to live, we have to go to war against them. You see a couple times throughout Israel's history, if you've read, you know, well, the historical books of, of the Old Testament, I'm not going to list them all off, I was about to, but um, you see that Israel actually had some pretty terrible kings over time. And they would allow these, these idols of false gods to be put up in the nation, but then every few generations, or every dozen generations probably, they were far and few between, a righteous king before God would come into power and he would tear down. He wouldn't just say, listen guys, we shouldn't be doing this anymore. This isn't okay. The, you know, the, the, the sacrificing babies to Moloch is really not cool. You know, uh, uh, bowing down to Baal is, is not... No, they didn't just say, listen guys, we need to stop. They went to war against those ideas and they tore down the idols. They destroyed the altars and they said, listen, not only is this not okay, but I'm not going to allow it to have a place in my land. You have to go to war and tear down these ideas in your mind. And the fourth thing is to rejoice in the Lord. Have worship and gratitude towards God. 
This is absolutely necessary for a renewed mind. To combat the darkness that dominates our minds, we have to learn how to show gratitude in life. Romans chapter 1 speaks of the foolish hearts and the darkened minds. That, and they go on to say that these minds of the world, they are neither thankful or show gratitude. Because when you cannot be thankful for what you have, you cannot have gratitude for what God has done in your life, you get this attitude of nobody's ever done anything for me, God included. And it begins to let ideas take root in your minds. We have to worship and show gratitude to God, even when things in life are distracting. You ever heard the, the expression, faith like a child? Sometimes kids know what's important more than the parents do. There's a story of a, South, a toddler in South Carolina named Sutton Witt that really embodied this phrase very well. Sutton's parents uh, put her to bed without saying bedtime prayers with her first. If your kids are in a habit of that and then you try to do that, they're going to make sure you know about it. But they did this because there was a championship football game on and they were in a bit of a hurry to say goodnight and get back to the TV so they didn't miss anything. So what did their daughter do? She said her prayers herself. Sutton's mom said that he and her husband, I'm uh, sorry, she and her husband, started hearing noises upstairs. So they turned on the baby monitor to discover that Sutton was praying and thanking God for all sorts of people, starting with grandparents, parents, even Santa Claus. And she, as she closed her prayer with a resounding amen, they began to realize that they lost sight of the correct mindset before God. But this child, to think about... How many know it doesn't take much for your kids to feel abandoned by you? Like you, you leave them in the house to take out the garbage and they're like, oh, I never thought you were going to come back. <laughs> it doesn't take much for your children to feel abandoned by you. Imagine this child. What did she turn to? Giving thanks to God. Can we remember that even when we feel abandoned, even by people who we love and care about, especially by the ideas of the world because they will abandon you, that we can remember, even in desperation and trials and tribulations, to give thanks to God for the things around us. The darkness of minds of the world are remedied by the renewed minds that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind that, sorry, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Do we, do we worship God with the behavior of our lives, the way we live, the way we go about our days? Here's another toddler story, but it's a lot different. This toddler had a $1,700 furniture shopping spree while playing with his mom's phone. Y'all ever had your kids accidentally buy something on your phone? You ever had them accidentally buy $1,700 of stuff on your phone? I wouldn't work on my phone. It would be like one thing would, would go through and then the rest would be like, declined. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. 
This is one good reason to cut down on your children's screen time, but that's not what I'm about to talk about. A New Jersey toddler racked up a whopping $1,700 in online purchase while placing with his, playing with his mom's phone, according to a report. The Kumar family had just moved into a new home, and their mother, in the middle of packing out their furniture, had a bunch of stuff in her virtual cart. Her 22-month-old son, um, Anash, I think that's how you, Ayanish, it's a definitely not an, a white person name, Ayanch, Ayanch, I think, I don't know, I, I can't say it right, I apologize if that offends anybody, but her 22-month-old son likes to play with her phone, just like anybody else's 22-month-old son. They like the lights and the bright things. But within days, the family was surprised by a steady stream of unexpected packages from Walmart. And so she says, he went into the cart and whatever was there, whatever was in the cart at the time, boom, he clicked it. All payments went through. And the items began to arrive. The toddler's tab ended up to be $1,700 in furniture, mostly just accent chairs. <laughs> Talk about having too much furniture in your house. Why do you guys have 17 accent chairs? Well, <laughs> the return policy wasn't what we thought it was. <laughs> but have you ever dreamed of winning a shopping spree in a furniture store? We would all love to just go in a shopping, go in shopping, whatever you want, put it in your living room, right? Get the old stuff out. My living room furniture kind of matches. It's not that great, but it works. We can sit on it. So it doesn't feel like it's going to fall apart, but I would love to have a new set, right? Especially my recliner. If any of you guys have sat in it, you know it kind of goes. <laughs> it's on my wish list. <laughs> How, who wouldn't love to take the furniture in their living room and replace it with newer, nicer stuff? Well, God gives us that opportunity with our minds. The things in our minds that plague us. The things in our mind that dictate our behavior and our attitudes towards life. It doesn't have to cost you a thing. But God gives us the opportunity to get the old, rickety-rackety, falling-apart, good-for-nothing ideas in our minds and replace them with the mind of Christ himself. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.